warm welcome. <laughs> wow. I missed you guys, man. Wow. That was very kind of you guys. Thank you. I love you guys. Y'all can't scream louder for me than Jesus. I'm going to need y'all to bring that same energy and worship too. Let's give it up for Jesus. There we go. There we go. Yeah, it seems like it's a little more balanced now. It's good to see you guys. How you been? Good? I'm doing well. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah, I'm figuring it out. One day at a time. Anybody with me? It's the only way you can do life. Life happens one day, one moment at a time. I've just been trying to focus on just putting one foot in front of the other. You know? So we're right there, right? You know, that, that, that's where I'm at is, you know, I don't have uh, the next 15 steps mapped out. I'm in a, like a, where do I step? All right. Even, even with what we're talking about tonight, I've really been just taking in a lot of information, trying to distinguish, you know, what God wants me to share with us, because I do feel a great responsibility in speaking to you guys. Uh, I just know the potential of what's in the room, watching online. I know what the potential is of a group of people like this. You guys can do a lot. You guys can accomplish a lot. There's so much that can take place if you guys grab a hold of what God is saying. And I just know that God has a plan, even when you and I have personal situations going on and when you and I uh, have life coming at us in all kinds of different ways, I know that God is not thrown off. Is anybody grateful that God is steady and stable and he's not thrown off by your situations? In fact, he's prepared for your life more than you are. Thank God that he's prepared even when you don't always feel prepared. Uh, but what I, what I wanted to talk to you guys about tonight is a culmination of a lot of things. You know, as many of you guys know, unless you're new here, um, I'm the pastor here, my wife, Gabrielle, and I, uh, we pastor this ministry of young adults here at Victory Church, and we have been gone for the whole month of July because after, uh, after five years as a pastor, our gracious church gives you an extended break, an extended vacation, just to kind of reset because pastoral ministry can be taxing. And we need that reset. I know we needed time. We needed time just to look at each other and talk about life outside of just what we do. Uh, needed time to spend with our baby boy. He just turned one at the end of June. It's crazy. A year just flew by. He's running all around now, saying words and stuff. It's crazy. And life just flies. And so we, we had to have a lot of conversations about, man, what, what is God saying about who we are, about what our future holds, about what he's calling us to do in this season, what, what the future looks like. And that was very, 
it was productive. It was, it was challenging in some ways, uh, and it was also productive. But what I know is that I've been thinking a lot about legacy. I've been thinking a lot about, um, you know, what I want my life to say. You know, even, even everything that I put my hands to. So, you know, I've been thinking a lot about even this ministry, five years, is like, I can't really say I'm just getting started anymore. You know, can't really say I'm new anymore. You know, it's kind of like after five years, like what, what has happened? You know, where are we going? And I think that we've accomplished a lot of great things in the last five years. You being here is one of them. So many of you guys uh, have grown in this ministry. So many of you guys have encountered God as a result of what we're doing here. But how many of you guys know that God always has more? Yes. He has more. And, and I feel like the, the simple thing that I got, I was praying like the day my sabbatical break started, like at night before I went to sleep, I was praying and I felt like God shared something really briefly with me because I don't feel like he poured out a ton of like fresh vision and all that over this time. That just wasn't really the case. But he did share one thing with me that resonated with me throughout the entire time that I've just been thinking about. And it was three words, prepare my people, prepare my people. Prepare my people. And I've just been letting that marinate and then looking around at the world that we live in and really thinking about, you know, what God might be saying and doing in this time. And I'm going to be real with y'all. We're living in interesting times. Very, very, very interesting times. You know, I, I've shared this maybe a year or two ago, but there was like one day I was randomly thinking like, how many people can fit on the planet? And I looked it up and like the estimate was like 10 billion. Y'all realize we're getting kind of close? <laughs> I don't know if you ever thought about that. So I was like, man, how many people were on the planet when Jesus was walking the earth? It was around 300 million on the whole planet. And so when the scriptures tell us that we're living in the last days and I look at 300 million people on the planet, on the entire planet when Jesus was walking the earth. And he says, you know, spread the gospel, go out to, to all the nations, to the, all the corners of the earth. And then we look at in the last 2,000 years, we've almost filled this place up with humans. Like the population of the United States now is, I believe, more than that, more than 300 million. And so with us almost filling this place up, <laughs> what is God saying? What is God saying? I believe he's saying the same thing that he's been saying this entire time, that he's building his church and that the gates of hell will not prevail against it. But I think I've been having a lot of I was about to say, I think I've been having a lot of thoughts. I know I've been having a lot of thoughts about what that means. Like we come to church and, you know, for many of us, we have an idea and a framework in our minds of what church is. And a lot of times, and I've said this often, a lot of times church is like separate from us. 
Like we come to church, we attend church, we criticize church, we receive from church, and a lot of times we will point at the church instead of really seeing ourselves as the church. But Jesus was not talking about organizations when he said the word church. He wasn't talking about church the way that we see it. And it's not that church the way that we do it is wrong. It's that if we think that this is just what it is, we'll miss out on what God is really saying. The church has taken many different forms over the last 2,000 years. It's looked different. If you look at Christian history, church history, the church has gone through different eras and ages and forms. And this is the the space that we're in, but I kind of feel like God is calling for a shift. Um, Just looking at the landscape of where we are and where people are and the urgency behind the ur- like how urgent it is that people need to know God and they're not running across him as easily as they may have in the past. I think that the way that we think about being the church has to evolve a little bit. And I think that it really is important that we grasp this as young adults because you guys are the now generation. And a lot of what God is wanting to do, he's wanting to do from from young to old, but like you guys are in your prime, like prime, prime. And there's never a point at which it's too late to do things that are purposeful. There's never a point that it's too late to be who God has called you to be, but you guys have more time than somebody who has less time than you, if that makes sense. And so what you think about church, what you think about God, what you think about who you are right now is really, really important. And I don't think that God wants you to wait until you're 40 and 50 and tired of, you know, chasing all your own stuff and doing all your own stuff and then becoming a deacon. I don't think that's his vision for your role in his church, in his kingdom, And so I wanted to explore that tonight. I wanted to read uh, a little bit of scripture and unpack tonight really the vision that we started the year with. We started the year with a vision called Full House. And I believe that God was talking about your participation in what he's doing and what it looks like to fill up your life, fill up your house with people for the kingdom of God. And then as you, as individuals, filled up your houses, then when we gathered here, we'd see a more full house. And that this would not just be a place that we come to to receive just a word or some ministry or some encouragement, and then we just go back out and do life on our own, and we kind of do our own thing and figure life out on our own, but that this time of gathering would be a little bit more strategic, that like you would really be out here like in the field, for real, reaching people, connecting with people, cultivating what God has put inside of you, and then when you gather here, it's like that resurgence of energy You're gathering with the people of God. We're worshiping him. He's present. And he does all the stuff. He does all the healing, all the ministry, just like we saw early on. But it doesn't just end there and end with you. It like patches you back up and fills you back up so you can get back out here. 
But as I've been looking around, before we dive into the scripture, I want to share one more thing. Uh, as I've been looking around, I've just been feeling like there's a certain level of inactivity when it comes to God's people. I don't feel like we're as active as we really need to be. I think we're active in a lot of ways. I don't think that many of us are as active as we could be in the right ways. I think that in a lot of ways, we're passive on some of the things of God and we're active in other areas. We're active in our hobbies. We're active in having fun. We're active in doing a lot of things that's normal for the world to be active in. But the things that we should be most active in, I think some of us are passive in. And I think we're seeing the result of that being people in the world are not being reached. And we can't limit ministry to inviting people to church anymore. It's just not gonna, it's, that's not gonna cut it. It's not gonna work. Like fast forward 20 years, that's really, really, really not gonna work. And you and I, many of us are going to raise children and we can't raise children that think the extent of their discipleship and their purpose is inviting people to church and to let somebody else minister to them. You have so many giftings, so many capabilities, so many things inside of you that God wants to use, but many times our perspective is limited and we're not seeing things the way God wants us to see them and so then we are not acting on the things that God wants us to act on. And so I want us to dive into some scripture tonight. Um, I'm calling this vision night. Full house. We're going back to it. Not necessarily as a series, but at least for the night. Uh, because I believe that this is what God has spoken over this house. And I'm not going to let this year go by not fighting for this thing. I'm not going to let this year go by and it just be like a good series that happened. Or some messages that happened. But I also can't do your job for you. And so my prayer tonight is that, that God gives you some fresh vision for what he's calling you to do as a part of our collective body. And so I'm going to pray and then we're going to dive into Colossians 1. Father, I thank you for your presence. Lord, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your kingdom. God, I thank you so much that you are with us, that you don't leave us. God, that you have not left your vision, that it's still in front of us, Lord, and that you're still bringing it to fruition. So Lord, bring us into alignment tonight. Lord, I pray that you would pour out fresh wisdom, fresh vision, fresh revelation, fresh healing, God, and our fresh energy and passion into your people tonight, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so Colossians 1, I'm starting in verse 3. I'm reading out of the ESV. If you have your Bible, turn to it. If not, it's right up here. Paul says this, we always thank God. He's writing to the church in this city. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. Of this you have heard before in the word of the truth, the gospel, which has come to you as indeed in the whole world, it is bearing fruit and increasing, as it also does among you, since the day you heard it and understood the grace of God in truth, just as you learned it from Epaphras, our beloved fellow servant. 
He is a faithful minister of Christ on your behalf and has made known to us your love in the spirit. And so from the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Some of us has more Bible than we've read all summer. So I wanted to give you a fresh outpouring of the word. You guys see the power of the word? I know that just reading that, I don't know what spoke to you, but I know some stuff spoke to you. There was some stuff highlighted to you just when we read that. That's the power of the word of God. There are certain things that stuck out to you because the Holy Spirit was kind of putting a highlighter on some of those phrases, on some of those concepts. And can I tell you, that's really what he does as you read the Bible. And many times that's how he's speaking to you, highlighting things to you, pointing out things that he wants you to pay attention to. But here are some of the things that rung out to me when I was reading this. Uh, He says that we pray for you because we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. Faith, love, and hope. And Paul had heard about the faith, the love, and the hope of a group of people. And I just want us to grasp that because he didn't write this letter to an individual. You might have faith, you might have love, and you might be full of hope, but Paul probably wouldn't write a letter to you as an individual. What do we have going on is what God is concerned about. And it's not that God is not concerned about you as an individual, but it's not just about you. And I feel like I've been saying this all year, but I also feel like this might be one of the only places that you hear this. Because when you step outside of here, everything else is telling you that everything is about you. And even a lot of the conversations that we're having around church nowadays is all about you and your thoughts on the church and what the church has done to you and what you've experienced. And it's not that you don't need to evaluate those things and it's not that you need to dismiss those things, but you also need to understand that the church is still the bride of Jesus Christ. That the church is not an an, an archaic organization that we can now disconnect ourselves from and just go do it some different way. It's not how it works. It's not how God works. So we are in this together. So we have to figure this out together. And I'll tell you right now, some of you guys are struggling when it comes to the area of purpose because you're only looking at purpose through your own lens and through your own life. And you're not viewing yourself as the part of a collective and as the member of a body. A finger 
has no purpose outside of the body it's connected to. For you, your purpose is not outside of the body of Christ. This is why he calls it the body of Christ. He says that we as the church are the body of Christ and he is the head. So if you disconnect from the body, you ultimately disconnect from the head. And I think that some of us have believed the lie that we can stay connected to the head without being connected to the body. And you can't. That's not how God designed it. It may be how you want it to be, but that's not how God has designed it. So you're going to struggle with purpose. You're going to struggle with feeling fulfilled. You're going to struggle with having great, vibrant relationships when you don't buy into God's design. But here's, here's the other piece, though. All of us have to do better, though, because we all, many of us do still struggle in these areas even when we're in church. So you're not going to have purpose and really have the vibrant Christian community that God wants you to have outside of church, but also many of us are in church and still struggling in these areas because many of us are here, but we're not here. Like we're showing up, but we're not present. We're not involved. We're not active. And so I believe what Paul was seeing in this church that he hadn't even been to, he was just hearing about it and praying for them and writing to them because of what they were accomplishing as a community. He wanted to encourage. And so he's saying, I've heard about your faith, I've heard about your love, and I've heard about the hope that you have. And the, the, the three things that I want us to focus on tonight are just putting the word active in front of those things. So I believe they had active faith. I believe they had active love, and I believe they had active hope. And I want you to really lean into what we're talking about tonight because I intentionally did not come with like a hoorah, let me fill you up word. We, we have enough of that. You've been filled up a lot. You've been encouraged a lot. You've been poured into a lot. And most of us, we get filled up and then we go do nothing. It's just the reality. We get filled up and then we're just looking forward to the next times that we're getting filled up. And some of us, that's the whole picture of our Christian walk. And it's not that we don't need to be getting filled up. We need to be getting filled. We need to be having time with God. But we also got to get outside and be here, like be present in the world, be present in the church be present in people's lives, and be active. And so the first thing, he says that I heard of your faith in Christ Jesus. And, and I just want us to think about this tonight. Do you feel like you're a part of somewhere that the faith would be heard about? Like not just you, because some of us, we're just going to look at, oh, I have plenty of faith. I'm known for faith. Yeah, but what's it doing for anybody else? Is it inspiring faith in anyone else? 
or is it just sitting in your cup? Because what God is doing is he's advancing a kingdom. A kingdom is a whole society and civilization. It's not just you. A kingdom, it's like think about our country and all the different things that are a part of our country. You got all these different areas. You got government, you got sports teams, you got entertainment, you got the church, you got schools, you got families, you got all these things are a part of a society and a civilization and ultimately what God has been communicating to us throughout the entire scriptures is that's what he's focused on. It's just a holy kingdom, a holy society, a holy civilization a holy group of people where all of these things are still included. Heaven is not just some place full of clouds and harps and angels where we're floating around. These are ideas that have crept in to the church through all types of philosophies that that are not scriptural. Not saying that there are not any harps, I don't know. Not saying there's not angels. Of course there are. But Jesus talks about the kingdom of God, which tells me that there's more going on than sometimes we give him credit for. The kingdom of God. Even as he was doing ministry on the earth, he was saying the kingdom of God has come near. The kingdom of God is active, it's an active organism full of people and creatures and all types of stuff. But it's not just about you as an individual going to heaven and you have no concept of what it is. So that's why Jesus is building us together as a community on earth and he's planning on that continuing into eternity. Us being one. Scripture is talking about us as a collective. Like a lot of times when the Bible says you, like in these letters, it's plural. It's not just talking about you as an individual. So when he says that We've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. He's talking about us as a group of people. We've been seated in Christ as a group of people. So then it begs the question, what are we doing as a group of people? Do we even see ourselves as a group of people? Like for real, for real. Some of us, we may see our small group as a group of people. But do we see ourselves as really part of a group that we are, like, obligated to? Like, this is my family whether I agree with everybody or not. Because that's what moves us to the next thing. He said, the love that you have for all of the saints. I heard about your faith in Christ Jesus as a group of people. 
and about the love that you have for all of the saints. How do you feel like you rank on that? I think we're struggling there as a body. And I'll just say as the capital C church, period. I think we're struggling there. I struggle there. I think sometimes Christians are some of the most annoying people. It's true. And a lot of times the world feels that way. And it's not that the world is just supposed to love the church. We don't see that historically. But like, I feel like we are disliked in many ways for the wrong reasons. Like we're disliked for unnecessary reasons. Like if we're disliked because we actually are not nice to people, that's an issue. Because that's not what Jesus was being charged with. Nobody was saying Jesus is going around being mean to people and demeaning to people and he's self-centered and he's exclusive. In fact, a lot of times he was being judged more harshly by religious people than he was by the world. Y'all know that's who killed him? It was religious people? Not the world? So I believe that you and I, we have to do our part in this. Like we have to do this as a collective and it's going to require individual effort to say, okay, like how active is my faith? Like, am I actively walking in faith in Christ? Or am I just compartmentalizing my faith and attending church and maybe having some Christian aspects to my life, listen to gospel music here and there, and feel like that's me being a Christian? The truth is, This is supposed to be seeping into every area of your life and really challenging you and driving you in all of your interactions and all of your daily activities and the decisions that you're making. At the end of the day, you are managing a whole life. Like you're responsible for a lot more than you may be giving yourself credit for. Do you know how much you're responsible for? I don't know if you have used that word lately, in your life, but you are responsible for yourself. You're responsible for the things that you do. And in fact, you're actually responsible for how you engage with people. Those things are under your control. You're responsible for the gifts that are inside of you, the skills that you have. You're responsible for how you manage those things. And that's how faith becomes active. When you start managing the things that are under your control through the lens of your faith in Christ. And then if you have a group of people who are all doing that, well, that's a group of people that the outside world can look on and see something distinct. Because what you do with your time is intentional. What you do with your your talents and your skills is different 
You manage them differently because you feel a different level of responsibility as those who are going to have to give an account. I love to remind you guys of this. That scripture tells us that each and every one of us is, having, is going to have to give an account. Most of us would not even want to give an account of our bank statement. But God has given you so much and put so much under your control. So much that he actually expects to have a conversation about it and for you to make it make sense. Because you have a responsibility. You know, you have a responsibility for your part in the church. And I don't, mean a, I don't mean that in the light of serving teams and all that stuff. Like, yes, we need all those things. But you as an individual have so much more to contribute than just a task on a Tuesday night or a Sunday morning. You have so much inside of you that you can contribute to the church at large. You have so much inside you that God can do so much with if you understand what he wants you to do. This is why later in the passage, Paul says this, that I'm praying that you would be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. I'll just stop right there. Look at all of the expectation that Paul had on this church that was already thriving. He's saying, man, I've heard about your faith. I've heard about your love. I've heard about your hope. And so here's what I'm praying on, that you guys would do something meaningful with it, that one, you would actually know what God wants and that you would be fruitful in every good work, meaning you're doing stuff. I feel like all that's going through my mind is like how much we need to like ingest that because it's a lot of what I've been thinking about personally like what's going through my mind continually, personally has been, what am I putting my hands to? How am I making the best use of my time, my efforts, my energy, the gifts that God has given me? How can I be fruitful? What does God want me to do? And I just think we're being inundated with so much distraction, like just entertainment alone is taking so much of our time. And I'm telling you, if you are giving an account for your time, it's one thing to spend your time 
if you're never going to be responsible for it. But you spend differently when you know you have to explain. And you and I, we're responsible. So this is why Paul is like, man, you guys have so many great things going on. Here's what I'm praying for, that you guys would know what God wants you to do. And essentially the rest of it is doing it and enduring throughout the midst of it. So active faith, active love, I think that those two things a lot of times should spur ideas and works. So if you and I have active faith and we have active love for the people around us, that should be spurring ministry. That should be creating ministry opportunities. If we love the body of Christ, if we love the people around us, we get involved in their lives and we make ourselves useful. Conversations, being available, supporting people. When we look at how we're managing our talents, it's not just how I can benefit from this, but how can others benefit from this? It's a change of mindset. That's how God thinks. And I believe that's the mindset shift that he wants to start taking place in the church. What if you shifted how you're looking at your life and made it more about other people than it is about you? In doing that, you would start imitating God and you would actually benefit greatly from it. Some of the things that you and I are chasing we're trying to get for ourselves, and if we would give enough to others, others would bring those things to us. Let me give you an example. Many times we're looking for some feeling of significance. We want to be influential in some way because it just makes us feel significant. And so what do we do? We look at the things that we're capable of, and we're looking at what we can attain to give ourselves some feeling of significance. But if we would just start pointing our efforts at benefiting other people, influence just comes from that. Significance just comes from that because you're significant when you're making a difference in somebody's life. That is true significance. How beneficial you are, the value that you bring to others. And I just believe this is where God wants to start taking us. And I think that if we have this mindset as a church, toward each other, and then pointing outside to the world, I think we can get a lot done. So active faith, active love, and here's another aspect of active love. He says the love that you have for all the saints, I've heard about. He didn't say the love that you have for everybody. The love that you have for all the saints. So there was a way that they prioritized each other. And I believe that God is saying something to us there that we need to grasp. I think God actually wants you to prioritize other believers over everybody else. 
That might rub you the wrong way. It sounds a little crazy, but it's all throughout the Bible. He says, I've heard the love that you have for all the saints. Jesus says to his disciples, by the way you love one another, the world will know that you're my disciples. He doesn't say, by the way you love the world, they'll know you're my disciples. By the way you love one another, the world will know. And here's how I see it. Family. You prioritize family. We are now a part of the family of God. Like if somebody in my family needs something from me, it's different than if somebody outside of my family needs something from me. It's not that I don't do anything for anybody outside my family, but there's a different level of responsibility and obligation that I feel to my family than what I feel to people who I'm not connected with by blood. And so if you and I are a part of the family of God, we need to start treating each other like that, prioritizing each other. And then people might actually want to be a part of it. But I believe what the enemy has done is he's, he's crept in and he's gotten us to tear each other down. And a lot of times we do more criticizing of other Christians. We've separated into a billion denominations. And a lot of times when we hear Christians talk, there's like all these different little nuances. You have the like fleshly, worldly space of Christians who have an aversion to people who seem to be trying too hard. And then you have people who are really seeking to be holy and are on fire and have this level of criticism and judgment towards other believers and all the things that they do. So how they entertain themselves, how they gather, what church they go to, what churches are preaching and, and how they're preaching and, and what they said in their sermon and, and how they said it and, and what worship songs they're singing. And there's so much criticism in the church that we end up looking crazy. You ever been over, maybe it's your family, but you ever been like around a family and they get into it with each other and you feel awkward? That's a lot of times how we look. And we really think like we are representing God by tearing down his people. And, and one of the things that's happened to me over, over time, the more that I've been doing this, I feel like as time goes on and, and year after year, like I'm becoming more and more humble when it comes to other believers because I, I understand all the things that I go through and all the ways that I'm challenged and and all the things that I don't fully grasp or understand. And it, it's giving me more grace for other people who are trying to figure it out too. Because I don't think most people are trying to get it wrong. But we talk to people like they're trying to get it wrong. And we judge people like they're trying to get it wrong. And there are people gathering to worship God and we're criticizing how they're worshiping God probably more than God is. Because inevitably, somebody could look at us and pick what we do apart. 
pick your understanding apart. Pick your theology apart. Can I tell you, I know for a fact, like when it's all said and done, and when this like season of life on earth is over, I know like when I meet God, I'm going to realize how much I did not know. As much as I know in the Bible, I know that there's a lot that I don't understand like the way God understands it. Like even what I see when I see in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Like what God sees and understands about that statement is so much greater than what I see and understand about that statement. And so it brings a certain level of humility to say, well, I want to know and I want to increase in my knowledge. And this is what Paul is saying. I'm praying that you increase in your knowledge and in your understanding of God's will. But that's going to be a never ending process. And what if we just encourage each other to grow in that? instead of criticizing each other all the time? And what if we could be known for actively loving each other? Like, I feel like, I'm gonna just tell y'all, like plain examples, like most of the time when you and I are, are going through stuff, there are ways that somebody in here could help, but we're not connected. You know how many people are unemployed, underemployed, and how many of you guys might have some type of means of connecting somebody with an opportunity to do something, but you're not thinking about it. And they're not even thinking about asking you because they don't see themselves as connected to you and you don't see yourself as connected to them. But what if we felt a responsibility to the people of God? That's what we see in Acts. Like we... We glamorize these things. In the, be, in the beginning, God pours out his spirit and they start sharing everything and they had everything in common because they were connected and people had needs. And somebody who had a lot didn't feel comfortable just rubbing shoulders with somebody who's in need and not giving them anything. It's like, man, if you can't pay your rent and I got five houses... This just makes sense. That's what we see. It's not that complicated. Like people were selling land, selling homes, and then bringing the proceeds to the apostles for them to decide what to do with it and how to distribute to people in need. It's very simple. And I just feel like there are aspects of that that you and I could buy into if we shifted our mindset a little bit. What if we were known for having an active love for the saints? What if the way that we built our ideas, built our businesses, like had kingdom first, like for real? Like this is a brotherhood, a sisterhood, a family where we prioritize each other, where we want to extend opportunities to each other to enhance our livelihoods and, and pour into each other. And then on the other side, not take advantage of people who want to help us, not use people, not, not be willing to work and be responsible. Because a lot of times, I don't know if you guys realize that, but that's what cuts people's generosity is you taking advantage of it. So we also have to be responsible on our end to do our part, that we're not just owed anything. We're not just entitled to anything anybody has. Even in that situation, if you can't pay your rent and this person has five houses, they don't owe you anything. 
They don't owe you anything. So it's not for you to criticize or judge them, but I do believe that God would wanna spur on their heart to pour out generosity and spur in your heart to be grateful and to do your part in earning because the scriptures also tell us that a man who doesn't work doesn't eat. So Paul starts making corrections as people start taking advantage and saying, hey, you don't just come in here and freeload. You don't work, you don't eat. You don't play video games all day and then expect somebody else who's been working their butt off to take care of you. You don't just entertain yourself all day and expect somebody else to usher you in to significance and purpose and open doors for you. You do your job. You do your part. And when all of us are doing our part and we're active, I think we're going to really start making a difference. But what I want to do tonight, I want to land on this last point of of hope. Um, And then I'm praying that God really speaks to us and and pours some ideas out into our hearts. Because I just think that God wants to start shifting some things. And it's time to stop doing the routine of religion, the routine of what we understand ministry to be and for us to get active. There's a dying world around us. There's a dying world around us. People who do not know God have no idea why they are here and are spending their lives in a wasteful way and then raising a generation to do the same while we stand by and point the finger and criticize and separate and divide and we'll get passionate about just certain topics, certain political topics, but then we don't get involved in people's lives and we don't actually create initiatives to change things. We should be the most innovative group of people on the planet. And I don't think we're really known for that. A lot of times as Christians, we copy everything. And we're lazy and we ask God to bless it. So we see what the world does. We try to create a copy of it, a Christian version of it. And then we ask God to bless it. And I just think that God is a little bit more creative than that. I think that God wants to actually put innovative ideas in you. But you cannot spend your time being discipled by the world and expect to have God ideas. You're going to have worldly ideas when you are discipled by the world. When everything you take in is from the world and the world's culture and the world's way of thinking, that's what's going to come out. And you're going to try to stamp God on it. But when you will spend time with God and separate yourself and immerse yourself in the people of God and we all do it, because if somebody tries to immerse themselves in the people of God but all the people of God are worldly, then what What are we doing? But when we all commit to doing this together, I believe that we will really do something important and significant. And I believe that then the world can look at something that's actually desirable to be a part of. You're talking about a calling that's laying your life down. Laying your life down. I want it to be worth it. 
and I want it to feel worth it. And I think that it would feel more worth it for many people if we would just all actually buy into what God is actually telling us to do. And here's what fuels it. It's this last point, active hope. Because he said this, we heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love that you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. You have faith and you have love because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. And, and here's what really distinguishes us as the people of God, is our hope is not aimed at this world. And so here's the deception that ends up happening and creeping in is the enemy is trying to get the church to aim all of our hope on the world instead of heaven. And so we're not having heavenly minded ideas. A lot of times we're challenged to truly be sacrificial because some of the sacrifice that you and I are gonna make will not be rewarded on this earth. And that's a tough pill to swallow because we want everything back like right away. Like, God, I did this for you, now I need this. And some of the stuff, like, God will reward you. God will bless you. God will blow your mind. But there are gonna be seasons where you just have to give and sacrifice. And sometimes you're doing something for another person that they can't pay you back for. And that God is not just gonna send you a check in the mail because you did something nice for somebody. Sometimes that's just you doing what you're supposed to do and God out of his kindness says that he's going to reward us eternally. Not that he has to, but he will. But it's not always going to be this transaction that happens right in front of you. Our hope is laid up in heaven. That's, that's really the only way that we could ever do this and last. Because can I tell you, we can get all hyped up about something like this and then life is gonna hit you. And if your hope was in like, oh, I'm gonna have active faith, I'm gonna have active love, and I'm hoping that it just ends up with me being in an amazing space in life and everything going perfect, then you're gonna be really disappointed when you do what God is telling you to do and life gets harder and you don't know when it's gonna let up. That's the reality of life. God is faithful, but we all go through. We all go through difficulties and challenges, and that's why our hope can't just be here. Our hope actually has to be pointed at eternity, has to be pointed at heaven. Paul says, I've heard about your faith, and I've heard about your love because and I know it's because of the hope you have that's aimed at heaven because that's the only thing that would drive a people to behave in the way that you're behaving. And that's what we see in Jesus. Jesus did the things that he did because of the joy that was set before him in heaven. And so I want to pray for us tonight because 
like I said at the beginning, I don't want to let 2023 go by and we didn't actually give everything that we had to what God called us to do. Because there are people on the other side of everything that God is calling you to do. I, I shared this back in January. There are people that you're around that I just won't ever meet. And even if I met them, they just might not connect with me. But they're connected to you. There are life experiences that you've had that only you've had. There are people who would listen to you that might not listen to somebody else. There are businesses inside of you, ministries inside of you, vocations inside of you, all types of ideas inside of you that I believe if we would have some active faith, we would start moving towards. But, but nothing's going to get birthed from you if you follow the same pattern of the world that's just being lulled to sleep all day, scrolling, scrolling, watching, and not doing. But talking, but not doing. And I think we have to do more doing and less just talking. And I think that it would help us to not talk so much nonsense if we were busy doing something significant. But a lot of times that's what's happening with the church. We're just talking nonsense. We're gossiping. We're criticizing. We're doing all types of stuff. We're in other people's business because we're not doing anything. But if you're doing something of significance, it's hard to have time to be in somebody else's business. Like you don't have time to really talk about what everybody else has going on because you only have so many hours in a day. And in order to actually accomplish what God is calling you to put your hands to, it's going to take you using that time in your day and doing what he called you to do. Amen. And so I want to I pray for us, and then I'm actually going to have us take an intentional time to just write down some of the things that God is speaking to us. And so uh, I'm going to pray, and then we're going to put a timer up, and I just want to give you some time to capture some of the ideas that God is stirring into, in you as to how you can live this out. Like, what does active faith look like for you? What does active love look like for you? What does active hope look like? look like for you? How do you keep your hope on a day-to-day -day basis? I believe that God is going to speak some things if he hasn't already spoken some things to you. And what does, in light of those things, what does it look like for you to play your part in this full house vision? Like if you felt responsible for fishing for men, what would that look like? I believe that God wants to spark some, some innovative things in you with the idea of fishing for people. That's how he operates. That's how he works. But some of you guys, either you haven't heard it or you have heard it and then you got distracted or you heard it and then you got discouraged. And I know that's not what God wants you to be experiencing. He wants you to hear it and then just move forward one step at a time 
putting your faith to work. Actively living in faith. Actively loving the people of God. And actively hoping in heaven. So let me pray for us. Lord, I thank you for the simplicity of your truth. It's as simple as this. You have a plan that was in motion before we even got here. We each have a role to play and we all are a part of your collective movement. And so Lord, I just pray that you would pour out innovation, that you would pour out passion and love into your people because it's only through love that we would even seek to serve others. Lord, I pray that you would pour out faith in this time. You said that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God and we just heard the word of God. And so Father, I just pray that you would be stirring up faith in your people right now. God, there are some ideas that some of us have from you that we're trying to talk ourselves out of that we're trying to debate with you, debate with ourselves. And Lord, I just pray that you would let faith rise up and quiet the noise. And we would answer the question, what would faith say about this? What would love say about this? What would hope say about this? And God, I just pray that you would have a peace come over us as a church. so that we could rest in who you are and in what you're saying. And Lord, I pray that as we take the steps toward what you give us, Lord, that we would see your faithfulness, that we wouldn't back down in the face of opposition, that we wouldn't be surprised when we face resistance, Lord, that we wouldn't give into doubt or discouragement or temptation Oh Lord, that we would stay steadfast, that we would endure. Lord, I pray that you would strengthen us, that we would experience your power. And Lord, I just pray that by the end of this year, we would each be able to give an account of the ways that you've moved, even in small ways. Not that the whole job was done, but that the job was started. And Lord, you said in Zechariah, don't despise the day of small things, that you rejoice to see the work begin. So Lord, I just thank you for the rejoicing in your heart around the work beginning, your people catching your heart, your people choosing to aim our resources at your plan and your purpose, having faith and assurance and love and placing our hope in heaven. And Lord, I, I thank you that you will not disappoint at the end of it, Lord. So I pray that you would pour it out right now. God, that we would be faithful stewards even of this time. God, that we would take this seriously, understanding that you can give life-changing words in a moment like this. And sometimes even the simplest things that you say are the life-changing words. So God, I pray that you would help us to not despise the small things that you say, that we would not despise the whisper, 
Lord, that we wouldn't seek to get you to answer every question in our mind right now, Lord, but that we would just receive what you give us in this time. In Jesus' name, amen. And so as I mentioned, we're gonna put a timer up and, and I just believe that God wants to give some ideas, whether you're watching online, whether you're in here, I just think it's time to get active. And so our first step in getting active is to mark this time by writing down what we feel like God is stirring us in us, even if it's one step, one thing. It doesn't even have to be the whole vision for your whole life, one step. What is God saying? And then we'll close after these few minutes.
So who feel like who feels like God has said something to them in this time? It's a good amount of hands. I just wanted to wrap up this time by by sharing one thing and and then praying. I wasn't actually going to share this, but I figured I would share it with you guys just how God has been stirring this with me personally. And so if you've been following me on social media or having any conversations with me, you probably know I've been kind of putting my hands to a lot of different things this year. And I figured I would contextualize it a little bit in this last minute that this is the reason why. And so um, even from a few years ago, some of you guys would know that in like 2020, I felt like God was encouraging me to pick up guitar. And then I just started picking up and, and practicing and learning guitar, not really even fully sure why he was encouraging me to do that. Um, and that's a whole other story, but it's, it's adding toward what I'm about to say. Um, in addition to that, I felt like he was just talking about using my giftings to do things that are outward facing and just honing and cultivating the skills even before I even fully grasped the full vision of it. So that would even go to the podcast that I started this year. That's not aimed at no disrespect, but it's not aimed at you guys because you guys hear me all the time. But the heart was to aim some stuff outward and have some conversations in a way that would reach some people that I'm not currently reaching and having a certain level of intentionality behind doing that. Last, uh, some of you guys have seen me wearing shirts that say this for probably like the last five years, right? Um, and I feel like this is something that God had encouraged me uh, to start back in like 2016. And there were some things that I was doing with it and had a vision for it. Uh, and over the last few years, I've never tried to like do any type of sales pushes or anything. Uh, but I've just been trying to figure out like why God was having me do it. And one of the things was just making clothes that I wanted to wear and I felt like had the right message. And then this year, I just kind of felt that nudge to kind of step it up. So I actually started like learning a little bit more about graphic design, designing my own stuff. And none of these things were things that I ever planned to do. Like I never ventured to be a graphic designer or be a guitarist or even be a podcaster. But these are ways that I'm just putting steps like one foot in front of the other, even not even fully understanding what the full vision of it is gonna be, but understanding enough that God is saying something and that is not just about the right now, but it's about the future. And it's about reaching people that are not currently being reached by the current things that I'm doing. And so I just wanted to encourage you guys because I know that sometimes it could be a big deal to write something down like this and you, you just struggle so much in your mind and the enemy will try to discourage you in so many ways. But I just wanted to share with you that I'm in this with you guys and that you'd be surprised the things that you'll be capable of doing as you start walking in God's plan. You'll be capable of doing things that you weren't capable of previously. And he could pour out giftings. He could pour out skill sets. He could pour out abilities that you didn't have previously as you just take steps. Amen. All right, well, our worship team is gonna come out and I just wanted us to um, one, seal this time. Cause I, I actually genuinely feel like God just started something. 
like there's like a calm in here right now and a calm that I felt about this. But if each and every one of us actually does what God just said, do you guys know what will happen? I don't know. I don't know if you guys really know. Like, do you know just even a fraction of what could take place with you saying yes to what God is calling you to do? God has a plan to take over the entire world using his people. There are so many people who are lost who are going to be found through some of the endeavors and initiatives that you guys are gonna do. And so I just want us to stand to our feet and I want us to praise God like he's actually still alive, like he's actually pouring these things out, like he actually still has purpose for us, like he still has intent over our lives. And then we're gonna watch a few people get baptized and celebrate that. Yeah. So Father, we love you. We thank you. God, I thank you for everything that you're doing. And we just wanna seal this time as your people who are gathered in your name. Lord, we're gonna seal this time by just connecting with you for a moment and worshiping you for a moment. And so, Father, we just say, receive these praises. Receive our worship. We know that you inhabit the praises of your people. And we pray that you would be pleased by our efforts this, morning, this evening. In Jesus' name, amen.